Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. Here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm holding up well. We're in the midst of TIFF madness. So it's uh it's been a tiring but fun journey. Yes, yes. We're going a bit mad ourselves, but <laughs> amongst the madness. And uh, but you know, we're having a lot of fun, and I hope you guys are too. So uh, we're going to start off by talking about a film, the new film by Jane Campion called The Power of the Dog. And it stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Kristen Dunst. Uh, it's a film by Jane Campion. You may remember her from things like, uh, especially the, the piano. This reminds me of the piano a lot, this film. Uh, it's set in Montana in the 1920s, so gorgeous landscape. It's set on a ranch. And uh, it's a story of two brothers, two brothers working this ranch and uh, they have a very close bond, but they're very different in personality. And the dynamic between them changes very much um, when George, who's the more mild mannered one, uh, when George marries Rose, his brother played by Benedict Cumberbatch, Phil, um, who's supposedly this Oxford, well, I don't know if it's Oxford, but anyway, Phi Beta Kappa, um, he used to be a professor. Uh, anyway, so he's this genius, um, is really like engrossed in ranch life and in like being, in basically in macho, machismo culture. Um, and anyway, Phil gets very upset when George, when he learns that George marries Rose. And Rose has a mild-mannered son who's uh, studying to become a, a surgeon. And his name is Peter. Basically, what drove this film for me and what I was so fascinated with was the performance of Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, um, I found that the seething sort of tension of his character really drove the film. And I felt a lot of suspense. Basically, it's like psychological terror. That's what I felt. Uh, I felt like I was waiting for an explosion. Um, but I also found that the film was oddly sensual, even as it's breaking down the whole culture of machismo and sort of changing our view of it. And that, that's what, where I thought it was sort of similar to the piano, because there's a character like that who's... Um, who's, you know, a lead character like that, who's also you know, a very hard, cruel man. Uh, so one of the films I will say that I, I did see, and again, I, it's one that's been getting a lot of critical praise and I think audiences are going to love, is a film called Petite Maman, and it's by Celine Siama, the woman who brought us, the director brought us um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Go ahead. This is her new film. And again, it's a tale that focuses on um, a female perspective, but this time it's from a young girl by the name of Nellie, who is, has, is staying at her grandmother's house while the parents clean it out. Her grandmother has recently passed. So, of course, there's a lot of grief in the household. Her mom's struggling with this um, new revelation that's occurred and they're just trying to make it through. So Nellie is essentially forced to entertain herself while her parents take care of the 
the the duties of, of the house. And while she goes in the woods one day, she meets uh, another little girl around her same age named Marion, who has a lot of characteristics that um, she finds kind of familiar. And they instantly, as kids do, they start playing, you know, she goes over to Marion's house and they just have this really wonderful bond. And of course, as the film unfolds, things are revealed, which to me were quite obvious from the very beginning, but that's besides the point. It's really a, a film about um, connections, the way how in youth you can have these moments that will stick with you forever and moments that actually in a roundabout way bring you closer to the adults in your life. So it's just a wonderful film. It's going to make you smile. It's going to probably make you cry, but in a good way. It's just it's just a film that's pure heart. So I definitely recommend uh, Petit Maman. And another film that I know that um, we both saw, I would say it's emotional, but in a different way, is Learn to Swim. Do you want to talk a little about that? Yes, Learn to Swim is the debut feature from Tyrone Tommy. And uh, Tyrone Tommy made a film in 2016, uh, his first, well, his first appearance at TIFF, I think it was. And it was a short that was named Mariner. And that was um, a very powerful film as well. And again, it was like emotionally powerful, just like, like this, except in that case, it was more like an anxiety driven film, like an anxiety attack in motion. I think I've said that before. Um, this is a film that is emotional in a different way and does something very, very interesting with that. It, it turns a simple tale of a failed romance into a, an emotional journey that also brings us along, you know, brings us along into this emotional journey um, that the main character Desi goes through. He uh, he's a sax player. So let's let's just first establish this is a film about jazz musicians. Desi is a sax player in the band. He's also the arranger. Um, you know, musically, he's very, very astute and, and he likes to sort of be in charge of the band in some ways. And uh, they get this new singer uh, whose name is Selma and she's very different personality wise. Desi is very quiet and reserved, um, whereas Selma is very vivacious, very outgoing. Uh, they even have different styles. So they have different personalities and they have different styles of music. She's more Latin jazz and he's more, you know, of the classic like 60s kind of jazz, you know, the Coltrane kind of stuff. Right. Um, but of course, what this difference, well, these differences, of course, there's a clash and that clash, um, not surprisingly, creates an attraction. And what we see in the film are two different timelines. In his present, um, Desi is suffering from an inflamed jaw and he's very angry and bitter. Just about a lot of things, especially this breakup and this breakup that he's remembering. So the other timeline that comes in that, uh, that Tyrone Tommy really expertly goes between these two. Like they just, he in expertly interweaves the two. Um, the other timeline is the memories. And uh, what I really found uh, 
so exciting about this film was the way that the director was able to so expertly get the two timelines to start not just interconnecting, but they start to fuse in a way um, that it becomes this sort of like deeper experience. What did, what did you think? I honestly pretty much agree with everything you said. I, you, you took all my points. It's, it's a wonderful, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's, that's, I'm, I'm glad that we were on the same wavelength about this film. Cause one of the things that immediately struck me about this film outside of it's just the, the emotion in it is the way how he smoothly transitions from past to present, you know, just, you know, so, some simple editing, subtle camera movements and all of a sudden you're taken back into the past the the way how the past is filled even with the color palette with so much warmth and light whereas the current you know desi's pain is and just his environment is you know very dark very blue the the way how the the anger almost seems to cloud the world that he's in now compared to yeah. the um the past so it's just a, a wonderful film and it's a romance that you feel the sensual tension early on between these even when they're just dancing at a club like you you know that these two are destined for each other and as things unfold it's it's quite fascinating to watch and also his interaction with just various women in general like there's the, there's a landlord of sorts who's just very forward like all the women he encounters are very forward uh for, yes. <laughs> for the most part which you know has its good and bad moments but i just yeah i just love this film like the way how it was shot the intensity of the performances the the emotion that always felt real and even how they incorporate the music itself and how you know desi's such a perfectionist that he kind of lets his own artistry get in the way of Salma's vision. There's times where his opinions are good. And then there's other times where it's like, no man, just keep quiet. <laughs> let her, let her work on her album the way she needs to work on it. So yeah, it's just a riveting film. And I'm really interested in seeing um, what Tyrone Tommy does after this. Cause I, I enjoyed Mariner and I think this is just a huge leap forward for him. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I completely agree about the other cinematic elements that you just spoke of. It, it's it's not obvious, but, you know, if you sit back and just watch things, you know, you'll start. I think everybody will realize uh, the things that you've just said about the color palettes and and things like that. And yeah, I think Tyrone Tommy is definitely a filmmaker to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to keep on the the theme of just visually intriguing films. And I'm going to jump to um, the animated documentary Flea. I believe you saw this one yes, as well. And Flea is a really interesting documentary. It's essentially a, a refugee story. You know, you have this man who is telling his life story about how he essentially had to flee um, Afghanistan and through a series of events, ends up in Denmark, even though he was supposed to go to Sweden. And he basically befriends the director of, of the film, um, Jonas Rasmussen. And I guess over the course of their friendship, he tells you know, uh, Rasmussen this story about his experience that Rasmussen is like, you, you have to put on film. And 
unlike well, most documentaries where it's just straight talking head, as this individual who goes under the pseudonym of Amin is telling his story, the entire documentary itself is done through animation, partly to kind of conceal his identity, but also it brings a unique and rich, rich texture to how the story unfolds. And I was just blown away by this film. Like there's, there's so much emotion in it. There's a lot of heart wrenching aspects. You know, when you see what the family had to go through, especially when they had to spend time in Moscow and the, the corruption of the police, you see a different, aspect of the um the human trafficking side of things you know not that it condones human trafficking but you understand why people would go through the risk and how harrowing it is um and it's just just a wonderful film that even though with all this hardship you still kind of feel uplifted at the end which is very tough to do for a film like this absolutely um and i agree with you about the animation i mean it adds a certain emotionality to his memories, to his story. Yeah, there's a kind of emotion in the memory that that can't be quite expressed in, you know, a, a non-animated image. Um, I know that that's an awkwardly phrased thing I just said, but um, it, it's hard to describe this one because it's um, it's it's such a visual, experience it's an emotional experience but it's visually expressed in such it's such a rich way um but it does use uh, some footage right um which i thought was used as such in such a great way to counterpoint uh what was going on with the animation because the actual footage looks like it's either home movies or it's shots you know secretly shot you know how when people are under that kind of dictatorship rule yeah that's a new surveillance kind of yeah approach. yeah 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 and so when when those images come in and they're it's it's so interestingly presented because it's just a, just a small part of the frame that those images take up as if yeah as if this is a secret window into something but and they enhance what he's saying, but they they you can see the difference between what they're expressing and what he's expressing, and the animation is expressing. Um, and I just want to add that this it's no surprise that this won the grand jury prize at Sundance. This is absolutely like one of those great films, and yeah, as as you pointed out, it's not easily forgettable. Mm -hmm. And you saw another film about not quite a refugee story, but a story of someone um, coming into a new land. I think it was uh, Quickening. 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 Yeah. It, it, Quickening is about a young woman who's sort of uh, trapped between two cultures. Right. So she's uh, from comes from a Pakistani background. Her parents are, you know, they're modern. They live here, you know, uh, but they're so immersed in their culture, right? And so anyone who's grown up in a culture where your parents, your family, their friends, you know, they're all sort of speaking that language and dressing, you know, and eating and like the food, you're, you're always immersed at every like gathering and like that, that's how you socialize. And there come certain things about certain expectations 
that come from a, a sort of a different culture than that comes from someone who's like 20 in university as she is. So it's about this woman, woman named Sheila. And yeah, she's in university. She's taking like an arts program. And so it's cool. School is very different from her home life and the expectations that come from there. And there's there that's kind of this sort of that pressure to be a certain kind of woman, to be like a good girl, that kind of stuff. Whereas she's craving, understandably so, she she's growing up in North America and she's craving this sort of personal freedom that young women now are afforded, right? By this culture. And what's really striking about the film, and I think that Haya Wasim, this is also a debut feature. And, and it's one of those ones that, that you're really, it's really exciting to see someone's debut feature. You know, you find it in Discovery. And this is like, this rewards that experience of, of going to Discovery and finding this, the Discovery section of TIFF, right? And finding a film like this. It's very intimate and so carefully constructed, you know, like, like the other films we've been discussing. Um, Haya Wasim is, is very cautious about the way she constructs this film in, in the sense that she uses like claustrophobic framing to show, introduces to Sheila and her reality. And there's a lot of stillness there. The camera remains pretty still. There's stillness often in the frame or not a lot of movement. And it, what's interesting is that Sheila is involved. Her arts class, one of the classes involves a movement class. And so that sort of clashes, <laughs> interestingly, with the life that she's leading. And with all these claustrophobic close-ups, we are drawn into her world, like her intimate thoughts and her feelings, uh, which becomes this amazing experience once we see through her eyes, not just the pressures she faces, but what happens to her when she embarks on this relationship with, you know, a classmate, and then he dumps her. And the what happens is, is there's this massive, if you, for lack of a better word, payoff that happens from the style that Wasim is using, where movement is privileged, right? And so when there is movement, it's, you got to pay attention, but like, it's not like this film is a lot of work. It's just when there's movement, you feel the impact of it. And it's very interesting. I don't know if I should ruin it by telling people what quickening means. Oh no, keep, keep that a mystery. Okay. You got to go see it to find out. You got to go see it. And, but then look up quickening because uh, some people will not know what quickening is, but if you do and you see the film and you see how, that the, the film actualizes that concept of quickening through what happens and, and basically through Sheila's reaction to this breakup. She has this like unique reaction to the breakup and, uh, and just, you know, the pressures build and mount and mount. And it's like, because it's from her point of view, like it really has a powerful, powerful effect on the viewer. Oh, that so, sounds yeah. sounds wonderful. 
Yeah, it absolutely is one of my favorite films so far. Oh, great. You know, I'm going to switch gears a bit because we've been talking about a lot of um, emotionally rich and heavy films, but there's also a lot of comedies to explore. And one that I'm going to talk about is a film from India called Dug Dug or Duk Duk, as it's, I think, uh, uh, properly pronounced. And it's a the name of the film is a reference to the type of motorcycle that um, an individual individual by the name of Takur ride. And at the beginning of the film, we see Takur coming out of a bar. He's drunk. He's lighting a cigarette. He probably should not be operating a vehicle, but he does. And he's bobbing and weaving throughout the road. And he eventually gets into a life-ending accident while on a turning on a rural road in front of this kind of billboard that reminded me of the, I guess, magician's booth from Big. So there's this billboard with this kind of magician, and then there's two women with snakes around them. It's just a really interesting billboard. And he gets distracted, gets into an accident, and is is killed. His bike is impounded by the police as they do their investigation. And then one night, the bike just disappears. They find it back at the same billboard. <laughs> they think it's, it's someone is playing a prank on them. So they take it. They lock it up. The same thing happens again. So then they put it in chains. They lock it in a cell. Same thing happens again. <laughs> the locals in that area start to think that there's something going on. This is a sign from above. And the local priests you know, basically convinces the law enforcement that Takur is now a messenger of God and that if the bike wants to be here, it must remain here. From there, the film unfolds as a religious satire and you start to see as people start to not only worship the bike, but the bike itself becomes part of this own unique religion. So Takur is not just someone that everyone is praising, despite most people not even knowing who the real man was um, outside that he likes alcohol. So, you know, there's an altar erected. People start bringing alcohol to pour and wash the, the bike with. Of course, people start to monetize. They start to name their shops after that. And business starts to boom. And you start to see the economy of religion um, and the commercialization of it just explode. So it's it's quite an amusing film. And even though there's not a central character that you follow, there's one or two individuals who appear quite a bit. And there's one particular officer who's has no, he doesn't buy into any of this. He thinks it's all a, a, a hoax, but you don't spend enough time with him to really get to know him. So you're essentially watching almost like a series of montages and just watching various things happen as the religion is expanding and expanding. Um, so uh, my one knock on this film is that you don't necessarily have that person that really draws you into it in depth, but as a religious satire, um, Duck Duck is, is great. It's, it's, it's a fun um, time. It, it does make you think about religion in general and how it's, you know, all religions are commodified and they all kind of follow a, a same path and everyone's looking for, for meaning and, you know, we'll show blind faith to anything that kind of helps them feel as if they're getting something greater than them out of, out of it. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a funny film that doesn't take itself too seriously and it's, it's definitely worth seeing and you'll probably not look at motorcycles the same way after this. <laughs> That sounds great. 
Well, I saw, I saw something I'm tonally along the same lines. I mean, it wasn't such a, such a hard hitting satire, but it, it definitely was in the dark humor kind of category of things. And, you know, we, it didn't go like it's not a deep film, but it's fun, um, and it sort of has a nice message at the end. But uh, mostly, uh, the middleman, like I said, it's kind of this wry humor. It just sort of reminded me, like tonally, of Fargo in some ways. Like once it gets going, and and you see the sort of the quirkiness of the community that it's set in. Um, it's set in this town that's. <laughs> plagued by disaster and uh, there's so many accidents happening so they actually have uh, a, an official person who goes around and gives people bad news about their loved ones and that is the middleman hence the title of the film the middleman um and it's made by bent hamer um who made a film back in way back in 1995 called eggs and that at that year at tiff it won the fipresci prize so you know this filmmaker he knows how to craft a film and yeah it's quirky i mean the metal man like he breaks the worst news to citizens and then you start to see his own life and and the quality like basically it's a sad sack person in a sad sack community and there's sort of a sad sack nature to all of it but there's also this bizarre like noirish thing because it's like what is happening <laughs> although it doesn't really like look noirish it's just it's not a bright you know bright outlook on anything um but i just love the absurdity of it all and the way it's that it it unfolds in this understated way i mean character tone that's the the fargo like quality that i appreciated um and these circumstances that are like oh there goes another accident you know and the the way that it, it unfolded it's like things are mysterious but before you know it things are sort of coming together in a really interesting way and the ending i thought was one of the cleverest endings way yeah i'm not i'm not gonna say anything oh more. that's it's no no that's like, good it's just surprisingly clever at the end and it's like you know you're in the hands of a master storyteller when it, it sort of lulls you into this okay I, I can go along with the absurdity of the situation and yes it's kind of darkly humorous and then wait a minute that's actually quite the the view of life and quite the view of this person oh interesting all right you know that's another one that has gone high up on my uh to see list yeah oh and you know what just you know for us canadians uh don mckeller and paul gross are in it oh great so i, th I think it's yeah it's a co-production between a number of nordic countries um and canada so that's the middleman yeah, and again, another good crop of films for everyone to to check out, whether you want drama, comedy, documentaries, Tiff has it all. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Frameline. Thanks, everybody, for listening.